Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Leadership Void podcast, bringing you the best in our veteran, military spouse, and first responder community. This week, we're celebrating the Navy birthday, and I can be more overjoyed than to have my brother sharing this time. Vince is out momentarily uh, for this week, so please excuse him. But we're excited to continue with our lineup of dynamic guests. And today, as I mentioned, I'm joined by my very special guest, John McCaskill, who served as a Navy SEAL commander, honoring the U.S. Navy's 248th birthday, all the way from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. I know this has been a, a long time coming. I think we had it scheduled like a year and a half ago and I canceled last minute. I can't remember what happened, something with my family, I'm sure. And uh, I'm so glad that we were able to finally make this happen. Amen, amen. And we know what that life happens and things right. happen. So we're just happy to have you today. And hey, I think it was just meant to be because now we're celebrating the Navy's birthday. That's right. Together, two Navy. Who who set this up? <laughs> two Navy guys <laughs> celebrating the Navy birthday. It's gonna be a hoopla. Before we get into any of the questions and and commentary today, John, share a little bit about you. Yeah, well, a little bit about me. Let's see. I'm a family man. Uh, I live out here in Colorado, as you said, Colorado Springs. I live on a small farm with my my beautiful bride and uh, uh, three young children, but I count them as part of the animals on the farm. Uh, we've got some horses out there. We had some chickens. We got some uh, some cats, and and then I and then like I said, we've got the kids that are part of the animal pack. Uh, but yeah, prior to moving out here and, and retiring from the the Navy. Uh, I served in the Navy for 24 years, and 17 of that was in the in the SEAL teams or connected to special operations in, in some capacity. Outstanding. And I, I served 26, so uh, we were parallel, actually, during yeah. your time of service. Um, I did get to serve as a support element from METOC side uh, to SDB-1 out of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And so I, I'm uh, well acquainted with the family yeah. there. Uh, did some time with you. stv i did stv team too but yeah as a matter of fact uh got my old paddle right here <laughs> from uh from stv right there <laughs> outstanding outstanding yeah, yeah a, a great group of folks that community is very tight and we love to uh, support them in any way we can now uh, john in the military we have a lot of experiences you serve 20 plus i serve 20 plus a lot of leadership moments that we can learn from, but what pivotal leadership moment did you learn the most from in the evolution that you had with the Navy? Yeah, well, I, I went through the Naval Academy, which, you know, the the four years there is in and of itself kind of a leadership lab um, from being a freshman there or a plebe, you, you kind of learn to follow, which I think is incredibly important as a leader. And then through the through the time there, you rise up through the Naval Academy ranks, and then by the by the end, by the time you graduate, you're you're leading uh, significant amounts of of fellow midshipmen. Uh, but I, I took what I learned there, and I went into the into the officer ranks in the Navy, and some things that I had not truly learned at the Naval Academy, I learned by trial by fire. Right, uh, you know, I. I I was an ensign, which you know, this is the lowest uh, officer rank in the in the Navy, equivalent to a second lieutenant in the other services. I, I know you know that, but for some of your other listeners who may not, uh, 
And I, I thought that I was going to walk into the, into the SEAL teams and, and be well-respected for being an officer. And I was quickly put in my place by some of the senior enlisted guys who obviously knew more about the SEAL teams, knew more about everything that goes into the tactics, techniques, and procedures that we follow. And I, I think the the most important thing that I learned was you're never finished learning. So stepping in into the SEAL training and into the SEAL teams, after being from the Naval Academy, I kind of had this ego and then I got that ego checked pretty quickly and realized that there were many, many, many folks who knew more than I did. And there still are many folks who know more than I do. And to continue learning and learning from those who have gone before you, learning from those who are above you in the chain of command, learning from those who are below you as far as rank, but then also learning from the brand new guys, there's there's learning to be done no matter what. And I think that's one of the most important lessons I learned and took forward with me as a as a leader within the SEAL teams. That and um, I think the the other side is the the ability to connect with your people. Um, you know, you're not as a leader, you're not just barking orders and giving direction, but you have to connect with your people in order to truly get them to follow those orders. Um, and I think that's that's the other piece is that I, I didn't fully understand the the need to connect with your people um, as as people, um, not just other people within the organization or not not just other elements within the organization, but as people. I think those are two of the most important leadership things I learned along the way. Yeah, very important lessons there. And that dynamic of the chief's mess and the junior officers uh, is one that I love. Um, for for sure. those of you listening and don't know much about the Navy, uh, the chief's mess is actually charged. It is a charge to the chief's mess to help mentor and rear the junior officers, not in a subservient, uh, because they're still ranked, right? There's still things you need to adhere to but from a passing down of knowledge so that they can ramp up sooner right than, than, than later and um and it's it's beautiful to watch that relationship develop and oftentimes you'll see later on in an officer's career they'll credit the chief's mess for their early on years right and and i oh, love yeah. that relationship so so good to hear that that actually uh, worked right because oh, yeah. the charge uh, is there but the proof has to be there <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i i fully believe that uh my early years i was successful because of my chiefs and my senior chiefs and towards the end uh i was successful as a commander because of my senior chiefs and my master chiefs uh i i couldn't have done what i did without them 100% i attribute my success to them Outstanding. And and to all the chiefs, who ya? Good job. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that relationship. We're talking about how that dynamic really does come to fruition for the officer's longevity and how they uh, keep continue to serve. But please share um, who was instrumental in impacting you while serving in the military? As far as by name or, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, I, I would have to say, uh, again, the, the one of the chiefs and, and senior chiefs um, when I was first in the in the SEAL teams, um, 
senior chief who ended up being a retiring as a master chief, uh, Jeff Steffi was one of my first platoon and uh, troop chiefs, uh, fantastic leader, uh, really was able to connect again, coming back to that connection piece, connect with the the men in the platoon and the troop as as men. And then his tactical proficiency was second to none. Uh, my when I was an officer in charge, my platoon chief was Mike Peter. Fantastic guy as well. Um, love that guy through and through. Uh, everything that he imparted on me or uh, was they, those were lessons that I not only took forward in the SEAL teams, but in life as well. And funny enough, both of them were really good break dancers. <laughs> Mike Peter was uh, from Detroit and he had won the break dancing competition in Detroit when he was younger. And, then he brought that into the platoon. And then uh, and then my when I was an assistant officer in charge, my platoon commander or OIC officer in charge was JD Donaldson. And then when I was an officer in charge, he was again one rank higher than me uh, as my troop commander. Um, he was and still is instrumental in, in my life. He and I stay in close contact and we talk regularly. And uh, he's been an example of uh, a man, a husband, a father, and a tactical and operational leader for me. So those are three of the three of the men that had profound influences on me throughout the my time in the SEAL teams. And I'm sure that they will be uh, tickled uh, to to be mentioned. And I appreciate you naming them. Uh, it's amazing what individuals do in our lives, and if we if we're just open, right? If we're just right. open <laughs> to to what they're feeding us and and know that they have our best interests in mind, uh, we will go a long way. So thank you for sharing them and 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 that story. And I love how you mentioned the connection to your 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 men, your group, and then later on uh, the connection to family and how to be a man. That's uh that's so important. Even in service, folks, <laughs> we still human and we're still men uh, <laughs> and right. women and still have to go through the normalcy of life. Uh, and so it's, it's nice to hear that. Now, you know, the Navy has provided both of us uh, an, uh, just an enormous amount of benefit, not only serving, but also post-service because we get to glean on those years and, and can continue to do what we're doing uh, now. Uh, but the Navy has changed since we both were in last. That's I, mean, right. I look at the uniforms now and I said, well, those weren't there. Um, <laughs> neither the, you know, the working uniform on ships or the, the common day, uh, day kind of uh, uniform yeah. uh, is all different. Uh, right. And so uh, you could tell that the years have passed. But <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts regarding the future of the Navy? There's a lot of great things coming up. There's a lot of equipment that I wish we had at the time. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, not just the uniform changes, because I think that's just going to be one of these things that evolve, uh, you know, since since for sure, the, yeah, since we started. Yeah. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the future of the Navy? Well, I, I yeah, I've got to reflect on the uniform changes as well, because I, I started as an enlisted guy and, uh, you know, I wore dungarees in the in the Dixie Cup and uh, and. and 
and I actually love that uniform. It was super comfortable. <laughs> and then, and then when I retired, you know, we're all wearing the camouflage utilities, uh, the digi greens. Um, and even since I've retired, they changed the way the rank is worn on that cover and the, and the lapel, um, or not the lapel, but on your chest. Um, so I know that's an ever-changing thing. Um, that said, as far as the, the changes of the Navy, I've got to be honest, man, with, when I'm, when I was in the SEAL teams, it was almost like we were a completely different service, uh, special operations. It's yes, we are part of the Navy and we report through the Navy chain of command, uh, ultimately, but there's also the special operations chain of command and, you know, the opcon versus take on and all that, that stuff. So I didn't keep very close tabs on what the Navy as a whole was doing until I was almost out of the Navy. And I transitioned from special operations into working for the Navy Reserve. I had a, a young daughter who had some uh, medical issues and I transitioned. She was an exceptional family member and I transitioned from special operations into full-time support for the Navy Reserve. So that's for those who are listening and don't know what that is. That's the active duty guys who are there to support the reserve side activating, but you're still, you're still working full-time. Technically you're a reservist, but you're working full-time. Um, anyway, so I was full-time support. And at that point, that's when I started learning <laughs> again, what I had long since forgotten from the Naval Academy, you know, ships and aircraft and submarines and everything else. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about all of this. Um, so I started working in the innovation directorate within the Navy Reserve and seeing some of the things that are coming down the line as far as technology, it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm hoping that we can keep, keep ahead of our near peer competitors because I know that some of them are also on the cutting edge of technology and it's it's promising that we are developing what we are, but it's scary to see what they're developing. Um, so that's that's the technology side side of things. As far as the culture, um, I think the military as a whole is is struggling to recruit these days because there's so much individualism within culture. So me, 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 like what what are you going to do for me? Rather than when when we enlisted, there was a lot of hey, what can I do for you? And and I'm not saying that that is necessarily bad or wrong. It's just different. And it's harder for a military service to recruit from a culture where it's very me-centric or individualism-focused. And um, you, you will see that the, the recruiting numbers are significantly down on all the services. And then uh, I think the the other side of the culture that's changing is, is uh, and I like to see this, um, is the women and their their presence in all the different ranks and all the different branches and all the different areas within the military. Um, I have known many women who are incredible leaders and incredible warriors, my wife being one of them. And prior to you know earlier in our service, women weren't allowed in the combat ranks. Um, now, now they are, uh, the SEAL teams are starting to take them. Well, at least the SEAL training, we haven't gotten any women through SEAL training successfully yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's inevitably going to happen and get some women into the SEAL teams as SEALs. 
And I know I'm I'm sure some of my brothers who hear this are gonna be like, hey, the SEALs is a brotherhood. We should never have women. But I'm on the other side of that coin. I feel that women bring a, a special um side to things that that men just don't understand on the battlefield. And when we when we went on target numerous times, we took women with us to speak with the women in the villages because uh, they wouldn't speak to the men. So having women alongside you, um, I think, is going to be actually very helpful in the long term. As long as they're able to meet the same standards, I don't have any problem with having them uh, within the within the combat ranks. So those are some things I, I see changing. Uh, I haven't, honestly, since I retired, kept very close tabs on the Navy. Uh, I know we've got an acting CNO who is a woman, and uh, and that's that's uh, you know a first. And so it's it's great to see that as well. But honestly, I haven't kept tabs on on much else of what the Navy's doing. But I know that they're continuing to fight the good fight, and and I appreciate those who are out there doing it. No, and great points to share. You know, technology wise, you're right. Other nations are, if not there, maybe a little farther. <laughs> and that's and the scary part, because, right? Yeah, because they've uh, focused on that. And the, the beauty of technology is that you could have it and be in a third world country because the technology is available. And right. as long as you have access to that equipment, guess what? You got it. And, um, you know, and then the second piece of the opening of availability uh, to all service people, right? Whether right. they're male or female to get in and do a job if they're able to, and I see that also, I was very, uh, glad to see, uh, the Admiral, uh, step in, uh, be nominated and is pending, uh, confirmation there. But, right. uh, I remember her as a one star with, uh, with me in service, uh, and, and over IDC. And, um, so she, she was, uh, she was a great uh, asset to then and will be now. So sure. as we, as we progress, uh, through leadership, we, uh, we get to pick some things up, right. And say, Oh, okay, that's good. Okay. I'm going to keep that. Some people write it in the green book. Some people write <laughs> it in the flesh book up here, but, right. but they, they see the value of the wisdom shared. And then we, as leaders, we get to execute that later on in some time in our, in our service. So can you share some leadership uh, pearls of wisdom that you may have picked up that you still use today? Yeah, I think there, you know, there's definitely lessons that you learn from the great leaders, but there's also lessons that you learn from the poor leaders, you know, what not to do. Um, and I wrote those in my green book as well, what not to do. Um, yeah, I think some of the, some of the things that I've talked about already is, is, you know, connecting with your people and, and truly understanding them, then empathizing, having compassion for them as well and understanding that they have families, they have lives outside of the military. I think that's one of the more important ones because you burn them out otherwise. Um, I remember many times I was as a, as a junior lieutenant or lieutenant junior grade, uh, kept around just to check my email or hang around the platoon space until six, seven, eight at night just because that's what was expected and there wasn't anything even going on. Um, and, and the leaders that held me there, uh, you know, until that time 
I, I realized that they did not have the empathy. They didn't have the compassion. They didn't have the understanding that we were people with our own lives outside of work. That said, uh, I've also learned that you have to do the hard things. And sometimes doing the hard things means not having the proverbial perfect work-life balance, right? That that so many people seek to have. And there are times when being at work until late, late at night, middle of the night sometimes, or maybe even all through the night is required to accomplish the mission. But when that is required, explaining why it's required and, and, and explaining the part that somebody is playing in the bigger picture, making sure they understand that they are an integral part to the ultimate mission. And I think explaining that commander's intent and the the idea of you being an important part of this machine, that's that's critical in leadership. And I, I've tried to carry that forward is whenever we're doing something, explaining the the why. I won't explain the how. A lot of the guys, they know better how to accomplish the mission than I do, but I'll explain why it is that we need to accomplish the mission, why it is that we need to stay late, why it is that we need to grind at certain times. And then the, uh, the other side is when there's not anything to be grinded, right? There's no reason to grind. Um, take some time off, relax, re recuperate, refresh right um and and i think that's that's an important thing of leadership too is understanding the time off that your people need and giving it to them and then modeling that yourself right a lot so many leaders will tell people hey take your time off but then they are at work from 5 a.m until 8 p.m if, if you're going to tell your people to take off work you better model that because otherwise their your your actions are going to speak louder than your words and eventually they're going to see you and then they're going to think that's what you expect of them, no matter what it is you say. So take take the time off yourself so that they will take the time off for themselves. Absolutely. You know, leadership is about example. And uh, this morning I was thinking that uh, as I was doing my five mile of how many leaders don't take the time for themselves and then require that of somebody else. And so right. you are the first proof of concept. That's what I tell leaders. You're the first proof. If you cannot prove it, then you cannot ask for it. Or if you ask for it or, and you dare do that, <laughs> then someone's going to call you out on it and don't be surprised at that point, but great, great share there. Um, a lot of, uh, you talked about the recruiting. The issue is across the board. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at the army changing some of the ways they're recruiting. Uh, everybody's scrambling because indeed this particular generation is different than obviously from ours, but, but we were different from the one before. So sure. it's not anything weird or strange. It's just that values have changed throughout time, uh, depending on the parents, right? Because this generation is a result of us. <laughs> so, right, right. So we we have some play in there, at least for the ones that are out there right now getting ready to uh, to get into service. But for those young men and women uh, that feel the call of patriotism, feel the call of obligation to nation, uh, feel that call, 
Uh, what could you suggest or what leadership tips can you give them as they're coming in right to this, uh, uh, this different world, because it truly is yeah. uh, a different world. Uh, but what would you tell them? Yeah. Well, first off, I, you know, the, the generations, uh, the younger generations that are of age to come into the military right now. So generation Z looks like, uh, you know, the millennials are already in the, in the military. My, my wife's got out of the military and she's a millennial. I'm generation X, Gen Xer, right? Um, but the Gen Z and the, those who are coming after, uh, what is that? Uh, the, the I gen or whatever the, the new generation is, um, they, yes, they are products of, parenting, their products of schooling, their products of society, the products of social media, right? Like we didn't have social media when we were growing up. Um, so there is an immense pressure on them to like, we competed with the people next to us, right? Like the keeping up with the Joneses, like kids these days, they don't have to keep up with the Joneses. They have to keep up with the whole world. They have to know what's popular with the whole world. We had to know what kind of genes were cool within, you know, our class. Um, so it's it's a it's an immense pressure that they're feeling to be a standout individual. That said, a lot of them have have gotten wrapped up in their egos. Um, social media can do that too. Um, you know, they, they post their perfect lives and they get likes and comments and all that stuff based on their perceived perfect life. And now they start convincing themselves that the, the perfect life is the only way to go and that they have a perfect life or the flip side that they don't have a perfect life and they're not good enough to go and do something. So my message to them is to twofold. One is check your ego and find some humility and understand that we're all in this together and that we all help one another. There's no person who is a uh, an island, right? And nobody's going to get from where they are to where they want to be on their own. They're all going to need support. And the other side of that is we're going to have to offer that support. So check your ego and be be humble and reach out for support and offer support. And then the other side of that is if you feel the other side of that, where you're feeling that you're not good enough, one, yes, you are. And two, the, the country needs you. If, you. if you think that you're not good enough to serve, yes, you are. The country needs you. We, as a country, are where we are today because of the military serving uh, in in the the hundreds of years, the, what a 248 years that the Navy's been around, right? We are where we are because of the various military branches doing what they do and what they've done. And we're going to need to maintain those and not only maintain them, but grow them. And right now, we're not even doing that. We're not maintaining. So uh, my my ask is, one, check your check your ego and find some humility. Two is if you feel the other side of that, that you're not good enough, I say that you are. And then three, I ask for you to consider serving because we need you. We need you. A great, great admonition there. Uh, and, um, you know, you're, you're, you're right. 
we need this generation uh, if we're going to continue to be a force, uh, a nation that continues to live on the freedom and the things that we have, uh, we need their support at this time. Now, John, it's been a pleasure to, to share this time and space with you, brother, uh, not only as, as fellow brothers in the Navy, but to celebrate That's the right. Navy's birthday. If Navy. anyone <laughs> wanted to get a hold of you, uh, maybe uh, have you speak for them, maybe have you yeah. do a webinar or, or the things that you do in the mindfulness space. How would they do that? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, they, they can reach out to me. Uh, you can check out my website. It's frogmanmindfulness.com. Um, and uh, if you if you check that out, that's got my social media. It's got my email. It's got my phone. It's got all the things. Um, and then you can find me on on LinkedIn is where I'm spend most of my time on social media. And uh, yeah, you could reach out to me there as well. So be happy to connect with whomever is uh, is looking for services like that. Outstanding. Well, folks, we're going to have that as part of the show notes and video so you can get a hold of John and his services. Or if you just like to send him a thank you uh, message for this episode, <laughs> uh, that would be great. If you wanted to get a hold of us at the Leadership Void podcast, the Leadership Void at gmail.com is where you'll send that correspondence. If you want to see a speaker or a topic covered in leadership, uh, send that to us and Vince and I will curate that and make it happen. And today we want to thank our sponsors, VEI, Triple Nickel, and Favob for their support of our, uh, of our podcast. And we bid you go, everyone that's out there, Navy, happy birthday, Navy. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to all my brothers and sisters around the world. And thank you again, John, for your my time. My pleasure, brother. Thank you for having me.